Welcome back to the Engashi Trust Podcast with your host, Kitri Cooper. Hello. How is everybody? Um, I have, it's been like a couple weeks since I've actually recorded an episode. Took a couple weeks off um, just to read and to learn and to, you know, just chill and not feel like I um, needed to prepare something. Um, so the last few episodes that you've listened to, I actually recorded a little while ago. And um, this one is... Um, probably after a good two weeks of just reading and, um, I got off of social media. Um, that was something that the Lord put on my heart that I needed to purge because I was spending so much time on social media. Um, I was like, Oh, I just don't have time to do this or I don't have time to do that. And then I got off social media and I'm like, actually I have a lot of time. Holy moly. There's all of this time here and ta-da, you know? Um, so it's, it's been good. Um, the only what, what might seem like I was on Facebook is um, I would, um, I scheduled a couple of the posts the, that went out about, you know, these episodes being released. And other than that, I have, I've deleted everything off of my phone and it's been really nice. I didn't realize how much noise social media brought into my brain. And so it's been a kind of a nice little shift and just spent some more time, um, reading some new books, listening to some more pastors, having some really good conversations with people, and just kind of enjoying the the start of the year. Um, and I still have a few more days to go. Um, I think uh, February 1st is when I can, you know, log myself back on. So I've, you know, trying to go 21 days of, of prayer and fasting of social media. Um, somebody actually asked me, uh, I went to mentorship study and they're like I don't know I'm sorry like there's a lot of food because I know you're fasting and I'm like girl I ain't I ain't fasting food I'm not that good of a Christian yet to fast food (laughs) you know Um, and we just kind of laughed but I haven't gotten to the point where I've fasted food yet Um, that's something that I'm gonna have to work myself up to if you have fasted food let me know what you've done to to make it easier but no I was like no I've purged social media and I did not realize how often I would pick up my phone to look at social media or to see if I got a notification the first week it was insane I texted my mom I said I cannot believe how much I look at my phone to see if I had like social media notifications stuff like that I never realized that it became such kind of like an addiction and it's been really nice to not have it, to be completely honest. I almost want to like hire someone to just like post on social for me and just, you know, keep me in the loop, but I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I, I think it will be one day, but no, it was really great. But in that time of fasting, um, the, the Lord has put a topic on my heart and, um, it's a hard topic and, um, we've talked about it before on the podcast. Tasha and I have talked about it before on the podcast Um, and so I always thought that this would be, um, a topic I would have with, you know, a discussion of other people, but this is something that the Lord is like, yeah, I, uh, you know, he gave, he gave me, um, a movie in my brain. Sometimes he gives me like pictures or he gives me visions in my brain and, um, he speaks to me that way. And if anyone knows me, I'm a big CrossFit fanatic. Um, I know 
there's people who either love it or they hate it. And there's no in between, but I love it. I had really great coaches taught really good form. Um, I was, I was really, really blessed, but in, in getting, um, into the whole CrossFit scheme, we, you know, I started watching the, the, the regionals and the games and all of this stuff. And, um, there was, um, couple years, there's two events that came to mind from the CrossFit games that fit really well into this uh, narrative that I'm going to be speaking about today. And one, this was the vision that God gave me. Um, I was actually in church and the pastor kind of hit on this topic just briefly, but this is something that God put on my heart. And there was an event at the CrossFit games one year, where it was a sprint event. It was a lot of running and they had to run a certain amount of distance. And then they have what's called a yoke. And the yoke is like a kind of a big rectangular thing, kind of looks like a, a door almost, but it's made of metal and it has in four corners little uh, pegs for weight and stuff to be put on it. And um, the athlete gets underneath the yoke, um, has a bar across their shoulders, they stand it up and they have to walk this yoke a certain distance. And the yoke by itself is pretty heavy, but with, with, with the, the elite CrossFit athletes, I mean, they're just monsters. They're super strong. So they could pick up this yoke and pretty much easily run with it. And so what they did is um, they did a portion of the event without the yoke and they were running super fast, super crazy fast. And then they got to the yoke and they had to carry the yoke a certain amount um, of distance. And then they had to stop and then they had to take weighted plates and they had to put them on the, the yoke themselves. And so then they would pick it up again and you could see that the, the weight started to slow them down. And so they were, they were still running pretty good. And then they, they, they stopped and then they picked up more weight and they put more weight on their yoke and they kept doing this and they kept doing this and they kept doing this until, um, what first off started with a sprint where they didn't have any weight on their back at the end. Um, some athletes, um, were doing better than others, but every athlete by the end could maybe take just a couple of steps before they had to, uh, put the yoke down and rest because the weight was so heavy. Um, some, some athletes couldn't even move forward. The weight got so heavy and, I, I can't exactly remember what the weight was for the men and what it was for the women, but I think like the men had close to 600 pounds on the yoke um, when they were done and the women was close to like 400, 450 um, on their shoulders as they were trying to move it. I mean, it was something super crazy. And um, that that's an event that, that came to mind when the Lord told me to speak on this. And then as I was preparing, he uh, showed me another CrossFit event um, and it was another sprinting event where they started out sprinting and they had um, what's called a ruck. And um, if you're in the military, you know what a ruck is, is that you, you pretty much put everything in your backpack and then you have to run with it. My brother's in the army and he had to do like a 18 mile ruck and they had about uh, 30 to 50 pounds on their back as they were running. But in this event, they were running a crazy long distance. I think it came out to something around like five miles, but, um, after they hit a certain point, they had to stop and they had to open this rug or it kind of looked like a backpack and they had to put 10 pounds of weight in their backpack and then they had to run. And then they hit another point. They unzip their backpack. They put another 10 pounds in. And by the end of the workout, they had 50 pounds of ruck on their back that they were, um, forced to carry and to run with. And I remember at the end of that event, in one of the women's events, um, there was this athlete. Her name was Haley Adams. She's a phenomenal athlete, super strong. Um, 
she was wearing white shorts, but um, on the back it was all red. Um, and they, when they, when she took the ruck off, she had noticed that the ruck, because it was so heavy, had rubbed on her skin, where it had actually rubbed her skin off, and she had bled um, so much that it had turned her white shorts red on the backside. And that was like a kind of a big thing. And even the, you know, the people who um, ran the CrossFit Games, um, you know, they were like, yeah, those rucks probably were not. Um, they were not made to carry that much weight. And so those are like the kind of illustrations that I want to, to have in your brain um, as we talk about this. So I want you to go with me, if you have your Bible, um, go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And this is actually going to be in the New King James Version because I like the way that this says it. And if you're in your car or in the gym or wherever you're at or you're cleaning your house, um, just go ahead and listen. But um, today the scripture that we will be really kind of talking about is Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 2. And it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so today, today's um, topic is a hard one, and it's a heavy one. And I'm sorry, like, of course, I didn't plan this very well. Um, it's coming out like right after, you know, last week, which was like me pretty much crying. I'm like, I'm a sucky Christian. You know what I mean? So um, I hope that you guys are going to stay with me. They're not always going to be this heavy, but this is just something that um, the Lord has been, had, has laid on my heart for the last two weeks. And so it's kind of like, okay, if I don't, if I don't say it right now, um, I'm going to be, I'm being disobedient. My, my parents always said delayed obedience is still disobedience. So I don't want to delay my obedience with God. I have to be obedient. And this is a topic that um, will make or break your relationship with God. And we are talking about unforgiveness today. And so let's just kind of dive right into it. Based on Hebrews uh, 12 verses 1 through 2, I had never thought of it that way, um, this way. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, which so easily ensnares us. And so weight and sin are two different things, right? Um, all sin is weight, but not all weight is sin. And the biggest weight that we carry is unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is one of the biggest things to slow us down in our race and even to get us outside God's will and God's purpose. So in those two examples that I had, you know, that I, that I had given you, um, I was in the middle of church, like I said, with that one, I was like, Lord, why are you showing me a CrossFit event? Like, are you telling me I need to run more or something? Because <laughs> I don't like running. I don't want to run. Please don't make me run more than I have to. And he said, Kitri, this is what happens. I have given you guys a race to run. And it is a race. And it is something that I have set before you. 
But every time we take up offense and we take up unforgiveness, we take up that yoke. And when we take up one offense and hold on to it, it is easier for us to grab another offense and put it on our yoke. So every single time you are offended and you are unforgiving and you do not let go of it, you are taking weight and you are putting it on your yoke. And then it gets so heavy to the point where you can no longer run the race that I have set before you. You can only take one or two steps before you collapse. And you can no longer run the race that I told you to run. That is what happens when my people, my children, Israel, takes up offense, takes up unforgiveness, and does not let it go. You are burdening yourself. And the, the Bible says that God's yoke is light. What is that verse? Hold on. I got to look it up. Yeah. Um, God's. Um, yeah. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30. Um, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart for you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the yoke that we take up with Christ is light. The yoke of offense is heavy. And we take that up ourselves. Christ does not put that on us. Or like I, like I told you guys in the other event where they had a backpack and every single time they had to add 10 pounds and add 10 pounds. And they, their, their race slowed significantly because the weight that they were putting on their back. So like I said, all sin is weight, but not all weight is sin. Yes, like it says in Hebrews 12.1, that sin easily ensnares us. Absolutely. It's like, you know, you're running and you trip over a branch or a branch kind of wraps itself around your ankle and it pulls you down and kind of pulls you backward. That's what sin does, right? It ensnares all of us and all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But weight is different. Weight is something that we have to strip off. Yes, we're, we're trying not to sin, but sometimes we have weight on us that we put on that we don't even know about. And the sneakiest one is unforgiveness. That's the one that kind of seeps in. Take like a, a water glass, okay? Fill it all the way to the top. It's clear. It's perfect. You can see through it. And then take like blue color, coloring or dye, you know, food coloring. Put one drop on it. And then you can kind of sort of see the blue kind of sinks to the bottom doesn't really affect the water a bunch. Maybe adds a little bit of a tint, but it's still for the most part pretty clear. But still that water is tainted. And if we don't dump out the tainted water, fill it up again with clear water that does not have any colorization or discolorization in it. And then it's a, so it'll be a lot easier for, for somebody else to come along and put another drop of dye in. And then the water gets a little darker and we hold on to it because they hurt me. It's easy. Then another person gets to come along and put another drop in. Oh, they hurt me. I'm going to hold on to this. Another drop, another drop, another drop. And then before you know it, the glass that was first completely clear and crystal is now completely black, blue, and muddied because of unforgiveness. And I know this is a really hard topic because you're going to say, well, Kitra, you have no idea what I've been through. 
You have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea the betrayal that they did to me. And you're right, I don't. But when you hold on to unforgiveness, the more you hold on to unforgiveness, the more you are pushing away God. I listened to a sermon oh, a couple years ago um, by Pastor Mike Todd from um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he taught on this. And so every time I hear the word offense, I just see the illustration that he gave. And some people d- kind of don't like him because his illustrations can go over the top. But this one was really, really good. And he was talking about offense and unforgiveness. And in his illustration, he was saying, oh, they hurt me. And so he put a board up around him. Oh, they didn't, they didn't want me in that leadership group in church. Put a board up. Oh, they, they talked badly about me. Put a board up. And he kept going and going and going for about five minutes. And by the end, you couldn't even hardly see him. You know, he had, he had gates around him. He had fence around him. He even went as far as he put like barbed wire around it, right? And he said, this is what happens when you constantly take a fence and you don't let it go is you build a fence around yourself because it's a, it's a protector, right? You're protecting yourself from other people. So you're keeping people out. But what you do not realize is when you keep people out, you keep God out as well. Like, oh, I, I, I can't forgive them, Lord, but still bless me. The unforgiveness starts turning into bitterness, and then bitterness starts turning into hatred. And what does the Bible say about hatred? It says, even though you might not have actually physically murdered somebody, if you hate somebody in your heart, you, have, you are still a murderer. And so um, that is what happens. There's a, there's a quote from Victoria Osteen that says, bitterness and unforgiveness block the flow of God's blessing in your life and actually hinder your prayers. It completely blocks the blessing of God because we are commanded, commanded to forgive. Commanded. Not, it's a suggestion. It is a command. It is in scripture everywhere. If you don't believe me, just get out Google and type in Bible verses. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Bible verses on forgiveness. 30 plus Bible verses about forgiveness. 20 hopeful Bible verses on the power of forgiveness. 50 Bible verses about forgiveness. 32 empowering Bible verses for forgiveness. Do you see? It's constant, constant. It's, it's repeated multiple times. And my pastor said, um, if God repeats himself, he's really trying to emphasize how important it is. Yes, his word is always important, but he's like, if he says it multiple times, he's really trying to get it through to us on how important this is. So we're going to look at um, multiple. I mean, I've got a, I've got a lot of, of verses on unforgiveness, but the first one we're going to go to is Mark 11, 25 and 26. And, um, this is in the new King James version. It says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may also forgive you our trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Woofta. So when you go to God in prayer, 
first thing you have to do is if you have anything against anyone, you must forgive him. So every time, that's why that Victoria Osteen said that it hinders your prayer because when we go to God in prayer, it's, it says right here that we are supposed to forgive anything against anyone that we, that has a trespass against us or that we have a trespass trespass against them. It's, it's a commandment. The, the passion translation, I really like it says, and whatever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, there's that weight again, right? You've put on weight on your yoke or you've put that weight on your back. If you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him and forgive him so that your father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. But if you will not release forgiveness, do not expect your father in heaven to release you from your misdeeds. It is absolute hypocrisy for us to ask the Lord for forgiveness when we are holding on forgiveness against anyone else. And it does not say forgive them only if it's a little thing. It does not say, oh, if they betrayed you or if they hurt you, you don't have to forgive them. That's just too big. Because what sin was too big that Christ couldn't forgive? And that's ultimately what it comes to. It's not um, little things that we have to forgive. It's the big things as well. And, um, and I know that's hard because I bet there's a lot of things that have hurt you or even big things. I mean, I, I really, I don't know your story. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's happened to you. It could be, um, very extreme. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. And you're still commanded to forgive that person. Regardless if they apologize or not, sometimes you have to forgive the apology that you never received. I'm pretty sure I've said that like a billion times on here. I feel like I repeat myself a lot, but that's just something that has always stuck with me is because a lot of times we only feel like forgiveness is something that we do after the person has said sorry. I remember as a kid, I would um, someone would hurt me you know, they would say, oh, you need to say you're sorry. They'd say sorry. And then I was supposed to say, it's okay. I forgive you. And I like the idea behind that. I really do. But what that did is that taught me that I only forgive if they say I'm sorry. And another thing I, 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 I don't like about it now, um, but I understand because with kids, you have to simplify things, right? Is I was always taught to say, it's okay. Sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes it's absolutely not okay what happened to you. But I understand that, you know, um, my, my pastors and my leaders and my parents and my teachers were trying to teach me forgiveness. And that's absolutely amazing. But sometimes it is not okay. And you have to acknowledge sometimes that the things that were done to you or that you have done to somebody else were absolutely not okay. But we are still called to forgive. And sometimes forgiveness takes time. Sometimes it takes day after day saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. Lord, I forgive them. Or you go to the Lord like, Lord, I have got a hard heart against this person. Please show me how to soften it against this person. And he will. The, the next 
um, scripture that I want us to go to is Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15. And it says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will, will your Father forgive your trespasses. That is almost the exact verse that we just read in Mark 11. Once again, God is emphasizing something here. If he has to say it multiple times, he's really trying to get it into our brains that we need to forgive. Because if you do not, he won't. Because how, how could we ask him to forgive if we, if we are refusing to? Okay? And then um, Ephesians 4, 32 says, Be kind to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I like that. Even as God in Christ forgive, forgave you. We are to forgive as God has. And he is ultimately, um, he, he is the one that gives us every single example on what to do in life. And so if he could forgive literally every single sin on earth, we have to follow in his example. And I know that's a big, that's a lot of, sh- that's big shoes to fill. Okay. But he was given to us as our example on what to do on this earth. We don't get to pick and choose what he, t- what he tells us to do and what, what we decide to follow. If you are a believer in Christ, that means you believe all scripture, not just some of it. If you are a follower of Christ, that means you follow all of Christ's examples, not just the ones that are comfortable to you. And I know I'm talking really heavy and I know what I'm saying is pretty powerful and it can come across pretty harsh, but I have to have people understand that um, we don't, this is something that my, my pastor said last Sunday and it was so good. She said, we do not choose when we are an example of Christ to other people. You are always an example of Christ to other people. You don't get to decide when and where you dis- you're going to show people the love of Christ, that you are constantly showing the love of Christ at every moment of every day, and you do not get to pick and choose the time. And that was something that was so profound on my heart. Hebrews 12, 14 says, to strive for peace with everyone. Everyone. strive for peace with everyone. And sometimes that's really hard, especially for me, because um, sometimes I like to think I know best, which I don't. And the Lord has shown me multiple times that I don't. But sometimes I'm like, oh, well, this is my opinion. This is, I know this is to be true. Um, If you think differently, you know what I mean? So that's something that like I, I struggle with. But the rest of the verse says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this man many become defiled. I'm going to read that in the Passion Translation again. In every relationship, be swift to choose peace. peace, peace. In every relationship, we 
be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly towards holiness for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Verse 15, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Unforgiveness causes bitterness and bitterness is poison to your heart. It is poison to your soul. There's a quote that says, unforgiveness is like um, drinking poison and hoping it would hurt the other person, but it poisons you instead. Don't drink the poison. Regardless of how big or how small the offense is, don't drink the poison. I'm not saying to not feel. I'm not saying to not acknowledge the hurt that's been done to you. I also need to say this. Sometimes we have actually truly been offended been, been offended by somebody or been hurt by somebody, and other times we only think we have. I can't even tell you how many times somebody has been mad at me for something that they thought I did when I actually didn't. Or they, they, they listen to um, gossip around town. Or um, some wires got crossed and some miscommunication happened and then somebody thought that I did something to them when I actually didn't and then they hated me for it for years. And that's something that was really hard for me because I'm like, I didn't do this thing. And of course, they're like, oh, of course you're saying you didn't do it because you're just trying to deny it. No, I like legit really didn't. I really didn't. And that was hard for me because I'm like, Lord, I truly did not do this. But you know what? If you didn't, he will make it known that you are the innocent party. But if you did do it, you need to fess up, acknowledge, and go to that person and ask for their forgiveness. And that is a very hard conversation to have, especially when you are the one who did the wrong. It's a lot easier for um, it's a lot easier for us to kind of sit back with our legs up um, and being mad at the other person. Um, but when we're the ones who did it, that's a hard conversation to go and have. But those are things that you, you have, we have to do. We have to go to that person. Or you need to go to that person who hurt you and say, hey, this is how this situation came across to me. This is how this came across to me. I'm hurt about it, but I want to seek restoration in our relationship. Because forgiving somebody is not just um, trying to brush things under the rug. What it is ultimately trying to do is restore that relationship. That's what Jesus did with, with, with forgiveness. He forgave us so we could restore our relationship back with our Father. And so that is, that is the idea with forgiveness with us. I'm not saying that that relationship will ever be the same. And sometimes you still need to forgive somebody and you have to put up that boundary or maybe that person um, doesn't get the reins in your life that they used to. But we are supposed to look for peace and restoration within those relationships. Come with me to Second Peter verses, or Second uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 9. And this is in the Passion Translation. It says, but if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mystery of our faith and forgetting his innocence for his past sins have been washed away. I really like that because it's saying, if you lack forgiveness, you are blind and you are forgetting that Christ 
forgave you. A, a really good book I highly suggest everyone go and get is The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. I read this book and it is so good. It is so powerful. And there's a couple things that I want to read to y'all out of this, um, um, out of his book. And on this is on, uh, I almost said verse 18, page 18. Um, it says, they deny that Christianity can change them from being unforgiving to forgiving. They boast of being followers of Jesus and proclaim, proclaim their new birth experience, but what they boast of has not been allowed to pierce their hearts and bring forth the character of Christ. And then literally over on the very next page on verse 19, it says, if you are offended and in unforgiveness and refuse to repent of this sin, you have not come to the knowledge of truth. You are deceived and you confuse others with your hypocritical lifestyle. That is a powerful statement saying you are a hypocrite if you confess that Christ is your Lord and yet you refuse to forgive. And there's one piece of unforgiveness that I feel like I have to talk on, and that is church hurt. Church hurt is a, um, is a big thing because we are hurt or offended or betrayed by the very people who are supposed to look like Christ. And that's a very hard um, concept when you put your trust in other Christ followers, hoping that they are following Christ, it just in turn to be slapped in the face or spit on. A lot of people have left churches or the entire church, the big C church, out of offense and no forgiveness was given. I remember several years ago, there was a big issue of offense in um, my past church. And the you know, it's, it's, it's still unclear exactly what happened, but, um, some people ended up leaving and they, they left in bitterness and in unforgiveness. And it really started to show up in their lives, just in what they, what they did. You could see that the, the, the poison that they drank, hoping to hurt the other person started hurting them. And they started talking different and walking different. And it was because they left the church without sitting down and striving for restoration and striving for peace. And so they took the poison and the bitterness with them. So especially like if somebody in the church, whether it's your pastor, your leaders, your deacons, your elders, or just... Um, another member has hurt you, you don't just get to leave. I'm sorry, but you don't. That should be the last straw, right? Um, the first thing you should do is you, ha you, you have to go sit down with them. We are supposed to strive for peace, as it says in Hebrews 12, 14. We are supposed to strive with peace with Everyone and I know the church hurt stuff can go really deep and re like really big wounds with that. I'm not denying that at all, 
But so many people in the American church or in westernized Christianity, they get mad at one person in the church, and then they up and leave and they go to another church. And usually those are the people that can never, ever find the right church. They're constantly, they're just church hopping, right? And it's because if you do not leave in peace with your old church, you will never take peace into your new church. I'm going to be saying some really strong statements here next, and I want you to know that they are set out of love. And I have to, you have to understand that I have a call from God on my life to say what he wants me to say, regardless if people listen or not, because if I don't say it, I'm going to be held responsible. And this is something that he has told me I need to say and that I need to say it with boldness and with confidence. So I need you to know this is not coming from a place of anger or bitterness, but out of love for you. If you do not forgive leadership, church, church members, and you up and leave without first seeking peace, you will be poison for any church you attend in the future. You will not be a blessing. You will not be blessed in that church, and you will be a curse for your new church. Because you did not follow in obedience of his word with trying to seek restoration and peace. Now, I'm not saying you have to stay in your old church after you seek restoration and peace. You can seek restoration and peace and still know God is, making, God is having us move on from here now. But if you leave a church or you leave um, a member or you leave things bad with other um, Christ brothers and sisters, regardless of what they did to you, and you do not leave with, in, with peace, you will not bring peace into your new church and you will be poison to your next church. Because what's going to happen is you're going to take that offense, you're going to go into that, into that new church, and I've, I've seen it time and time again. You tell everyone what your last church did to you. You want to make them look like, oh yeah, they're not Christians. They did this to me and they did this and they didn't follow this and they didn't follow this. And, but instead, you're actually making yourself a hypocrite. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. Don't be a hypocrite. Because doing that, you are now infiltrating the body of Christ we are all a part of the body of Christ. You are still poisoning the body of Christ by jumping ship from one church to the next and then spreading around what happened to you at your last church without first seeking peace and restoration. And if you sought peace and restoration and you left, good. There is no need to tell your new church what happened with your old church. Because if there's true forgiveness and there's tr true peace there, you will not keep an account of wrongs because the, Keeping an account of wrong is not forgiveness. And another, oh, this is a hard one for me to say too. Another thing, um, once again, I acknowledge that church hurt goes deep. And I know a lot of people have left Christ entirely, turned their back on church and God entirely because of church hurt. And that must have been a really big betrayal and a really big hurt. And I acknowledge that. But if you left Christ, the whole body of Christ as a whole, you never loved Jesus, you loved man. 
And I know that that sounded real harsh. That means that you put more faith in man than you did in Christ. And I'm not trying to point fingers and tell you it's your fault. That's not it. But there are so many scriptures that, that talk about how we are not to put faith in men, that we are supposed to stand on Jesus. And so if we completely turned our back on Christ because of something the church did, you never really loved Jesus. You loved your church too much. Your church was your God instead of Christ. Now, please hear me out. (laughs) I'm going to give you some verses. We're going to talk through things, okay? Go with me to Jeremiah 17.5. It says this. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh in his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. It's saying here that if you put your trust in men and you, and you make men your strength or you make flesh your strength, your heart will depart from the Lord. And then you're, you're just going to be in the desert for the rest of your life. In NIV, um, it says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh. We're not supposed to trust in men because we are still broken. Newsflash, church people are still Broken, yes, we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and yes, we are supposed to follow his example, but that does not mean we get to put on church people that we have to be perfect. We are putting so much pressure on pastors, leaders, members, and people to be perfect that we forget that we ourselves are not perfect. We have to understand that until Christ's coming again, we are still going to get it wrong. And that is why we have Christ's grace. Because it is not by our works that we are given salvation. It is because of grace. And if it is, what, I can't, oh, what is that verse? It says, and if by grace and not, uh, if by works and not grace, grace ceases to be grace. Psalms also has a lot of this on there um, about not seeking um, or not putting your trust in men. Psalm 118 verses 8 through 9 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. We are to trust the Lord, not men. And yes, I'm not saying you can't you can't trust a single man. You, you, but that those relationships take time, and it takes um, knowing their character and seeing their fruit over a long period of time. I'm not saying you can't trust anyone, but still, if you put too much faith in men, you're always going to be deceived. You're always going to be hurt. You're always going to be disappointed. So put your trust in God, who will never disappoint. 
Psalm 146.3 says, do not trust in princes and in human beings who cannot save. They can't save you. They are not your salvation. Humans are not your salvation. Christ is. And he alone. Proverbs um, 26, 11 through 12 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Do you see a person wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. So if we, if we trust in our own ways and trust in our own knowledge, we're just going to keep repeating the same thing like a dog going back to its own vomit. Go with me to Romans 15, verses, um, verse 13. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, not as you trust in your church, not as in you trust in your boss or your leaders or your president. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the next thing that you have to forgive is yourself. Sometimes we have made the stupidest mistakes and horrible choices We're called to forgive others, and that does not leave out ourselves. And I know a lot of people, um, or not a lot of people, but some people, um, don't think you ever have to forgive yourself because if you're a Christian, Christ has already forgiven you, and there's no need to dwell um, on the sins that you've done, that you, you don't need to forgive yourself. Absolutely you do. There were things I had to forgive myself on. And I'm going to take Paul as an example. Paul was a murderer of Christians, literally sought them out, persecuted them, and said, yeah, kill him. That was his job. Christ still came to him on the road to Damascus. He had a 180 turnaround, and he became one of the best teachers for Christ that ever lived. Do you think he could have done that if he did not forgive himself for killing the same people that he then became? Paul could never have written 13 books of the Bible if he did not forgive himself. And he was a murderer, an actual one, right? You know, it's not, he hated them in his heart, so that made him a murderer, but then he actually carried out the executions on them. He, he, signed, he signed off on them. If you are standing in unforgiveness against yourself or others, you are getting yourself outside the will of God for your life. And you are the only person who can do that. First Peter 2, um, 1 says, Therefore rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Every kind. Once again, not just the ones that we want to, including the ones that are hard. 
And then I also love down in verse 6, um, verse 6 through 10 in First Peter. And I'm reading out of the NIV. Um, it says, for encryption, for in scripture for in scripture it says see i lay a stone in zion a chosen and precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame now to you who believe this stone is precious but to those who do not believe the stone that builders rejected has become a cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall they stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people and a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In the um, New King James Version, verse 8 says, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble by being disobedient to the word, which they were also appointed. We are called to forgive. Matthew 18, 21, Peter goes up to Jesus and he's like, oh, if somebody comes and apologizes, I should only forgive him seven times, right? Yeah, just seven times. And Jesus said, no, um, 70 times seven. And then I did the math. I was like, okay, 70 times seven, that's 490. So I only have to forgive someone 490 times, right? I don't think that's at all what God was saying. So you're like, okay, they came to me. They apologized. That's number one. Oh, they did something wrong again to me. Oh, that's the 13th time. And then, you know, the more and more it happens, like, wait, was that, was that the 230th time or was that 231 it means forgive so much that you lose count do not hold on to offenses do not keep record of wrongs constantly forgive if they have a truly repentant heart so how can we forgive it's just i mean it's easy for me to say oh you just need to forgive them but I have people in my life that I have to forgive and I may never get an apology. There is a person in my life whom I love so dearly that I have forgiven her and there are some days that I have to forgive her again because I cannot have bitterness spring up in me where I become a puppet for Satan to do his will instead of the will of my father. So here are some steps. I went on Google and I got seven steps of forgiveness. Number one, acknowledge it. Acknowledge the hurt you feel. Acknowledge the pain you feel. Do not lie to yourself and be like, oh, I'm not offended. I'm fine. Acknowledge the pain. You can only heal what you reveal. What you keep hidden will fester. Number two, consider. How has it affected you? Has it made you different? Has it made you bitter? But consider how it has affected you and look at it. This is like some deep stuff. You're going to have to really turn in words for this stuff. Number three, accept it. You can't change it. You can't go back into the past. You can't change it. Especially if like, you know, if you did something, you can't go back and change it. You can't change what somebody else did. So you're going to have to accept the fact that what's done is done. 
for decide to forgive or no. Yes, it is a choice. You have a choice to forgive that person or not to forgive them. But I will say if you choose not to forgive them, you are going to blacken your own heart and harden your heart against God and it will completely sever if if it goes long goes on long enough your will and your relationship with God. So decide to forgive or not to forgive. Number five, repair. Try to repair the relationship. Strive for peace with everyone. Number six, learn. What is forgiveness to you? What does it mean to you? What does it look like? Go to your Bible. Read about forgiveness. Read what it looked like with Christ's forgiveness. And then seven, forgive them. It might have to be in person. It also might be a silent um, forgiveness. Like I said, the, the, the person that I have to forgive, it's silent, but I'm still forgiving that person. And then if you are the person who did the harm, yes, you need to seek forgiveness from that other person, but then you also need to seek forgiveness from God and put it under the blood of Jesus because love covers a multitude of sins. This is a this is a hard topic, um, but it is something that is rooted ultimately in hatred and in pride, because unforgiveness said, unforgiveness says, "I know better. You hurt me. You're less than me. I'm better than you." And it ultimately um, blocks the grace and the blessings of God against your life. And that is the last thing I want for you. I want you to have the blessings from heaven. I want you to have the promises of God. I want you to stand firmly on the cornerstone that is Christ, not on a cornerstone of offense that will eventually stumble and fall, but I want you to stand firm on the rock of ages who forgave you all your sin. So we should do for others. Don't let your heart grow hard. Don't let it be bitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hey, um, I there's a cash app now for the um, In God She Trust Ministries. If you guys feel so inclined to support the ministry, you absolutely do not have to. Um, but I've had some people ask me, if, you know, if they want to feel they want to give to the podcast and give to to the ministry. There is a cash app that you can bless the ministry with. It's um, it's literally called In God She Trust Ministries on the cash app. I've had some people ask, so I thought I would just put it out there. And I I love y'all. I hope you guys have a great week, and I will talk to you later. Bye.